No polls. No pundits. Just vibes. And the vibes this week. This is a very special night. Iowa, we love you. You are going to, oh, you just go out and buy larger tractors in Moreland. Don't worry about it. Trump indeed dominated the Iowa caucus, winning by over 30 points. But that didn't keep the second and third place finishers from declaring their very own sad, sad little victories. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. We've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. I can safely say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. We'll break down the results and what it means, if anything, for the rest of the GOP primary and the general election. And on Capitol Hill, congressional leaders from both parties have reached a short-term spending deal to keep the government open until March. Then we'll play It's Giving before catching you up on our group chat and leaving you with a good vibe. Let's get into it. Glennis, it has been a busy week since I last saw you. It truly has. I have a caucuses. We have to talk about it. Did I or did I not text you? Because I was watching the Emmys. You were watching Iowa caucus stuff. And I said, I can't stay up that late. Text me when it's over. <laughs> Cut to 31 <laughs> minutes later. And it was over. 31 minutes. That's all it took for the Iowa caucus goers to say, burn it down. It honestly is a non-story. We, we went into this already knowing what the outcome was going to be. To no one's surprise, Trump won in a distant second was Ron and then Nick. Haley. But if there is a story here, it really is Trump's win margin, which is a historic record. No one's ever won the Iowa caucuses by such a large margin. I believe the previous record was like 12.8%. And he won by over 30. That should really give people an idea of where we are and what this means for the rest of the nominating contest and the presidential election in 2024. So your split screen, Emmys and Iowa, what did, what were you <laughs> yeah. what were you taking away? I will say from a vibe perspective, I felt bad for the people who were actually like in their caucus and it was called. You know, the act of caucusing, I think, is quite nice as it relates to our democracy and actually having conversations with, with people about who they should be supporting or why. And just what a morale blow to be like pitching your candidate and then hearing the AP call that Trump won. Totally. It's like presenting a presentation in high school and then learning you failed before you even finished. Yeah, and it is odd the way that they're able to call a caucus, which is different than a primary for people who are sort of our 101 vibe. A caucus, you're actually getting in a room with a bunch of people People are pitching the candidate, as you just noted, and there's sort of a, a discussion. There are oftentimes multiple rounds of voting. In a primary, you show up, you submit your ballot, you leave. And so it's a very different vibe at the actual polling location, at this caucus location. And so I'm sure they all got their push notification, New York Times, Washington Post, AP, 31 minutes in, they're all standing there. I imagine the woman, if you saw last year, who tried to sneak in a bottle of wine and smashed yeah, it on the me. gym floor, <laughs> that is fully you. That is the Glennis vibe. I don't think she would have even had time to pop the cork open before no. it was called. Like, I'm out of here. I'm going, no. I'm going to go to go drink this at home. It's literally negative 20 degrees out in Iowa. So cold, so cold. That didn't matter, especially for a Trump supporter. They're hell or high water. I think what Trump said, if you pass away, it's worth it. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, darling, I've got to make it. Even if you vote and then 
pass away, it's worth it. That did you was, not see that clip? I did. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. He's he literally was like, some of you might die, but I'm okay with that. That's a that's a price that I'm willing to pay. Dark. Well, he did win 98 of 99 counties. He lost one, Johnson County, to Nikki Haley by one single vote. Your vote matters. Margins matter. <laughs> Trump got, I think, his best possible outcome in Ron DeSantis beating Nikki Haley. Because if Nikki Haley came in second, she really would have had this potential, small potential, but still potential for a wave to like say, I'm, mm-hmm. it, she, she's been claiming, oh, it's a two-person race, it's a two-person race. And to come in third, by definition, says it is not a two-person race. And so this means Ron's not gonna drop out because he's in second. And Nikki Haley's certainly not gonna drop out because she feels like she has momentum. And therefore, they're going to continue to split the non-Trump vote, ensuring that in New Hampshire, which is next week, and South Carolina, following that, that he will continue to place in first because no one else can consolidate enough support around them. And there's so much money, so much money that mm. went into that second place finish, yep. which is super disheartening. I want to say it was about $72 million between Haley, uh, DeSantis, and maybe Vivek. I don't even like to think about Vivek. He dropped out. No one cares. Bye. <laughs> he... And he dropped out while simultaneously echoing a ton of support for Donald Trump, his leader. And I think we're going to throw up some clips of just how horrific he is. Loud, he opens his mouth. So first, let me just address a question that is on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name? What the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? Literally. You're not first. Or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage. <laughs> right now. Thank you. Senator, uh, Senator Scott. I said at the first debate, and I stand by it. The climate change agenda is a hoax. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We're a cancer in the Republican establishment. Ding, 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 ding. The truth. That was a song. Yeah, loser. Love it. Yeah, I love the last bit. We had the lowest Iowa caucus turnout last night since the year 2000. And Mm. I think that that's really mm. important. I think that that's indicative totally of like the, the disengagement that people are feeling, the disillusionment with these candidates. And so I, I think that that should be just as important and reported alongside numbers like Ron DeSantis coming in second, right? Like th- that's, a, that's a story there. So what I'm hearing is that Trump won, but with a really low turnout. So yeah, that's true. It was a historic margin, but it was low turnout. And that's sort of like dovetails into the messaging that we've heard from the Biden team and related media in the last 24 hours since the caucuses. Governor Pritzker was on the stump basically saying half of Republicans voted against this guy, right? You had super mm-hmm. low turnout and half of the people who did turn out voted against him. Almost half of the base of the Republican Party showing up for this caucus tonight voted against Donald Trump. Think about that. I mean, this is the most famous Republican. He's the guy who, you know, basically built the modern Republican Party, the MAGA Republican Party that Democrats are running against. And half the people in that party didn't vote for Donald Trump. So I think that is telling. It tells you the weakness of Donald Trump and also the opportunity for Democrats. Did that resonate with you? Do you feel like there is an opening there? I do think it's smart for Dems to be critiquing and highlighting any weaknesses, any points of weakness with the Trump campaign. It's a valid point. Yeah, I'm I'm not mad at that. 
I did not have the same reaction, I have to say. Mm -hmm. I think that winning by 30 points is significant. But as I mentioned with the turnout thing, there is something to, this is just such a tiny fraction of people. Trump Trump won 56,000 votes last night. Like, Mm -hmm. more people than that live on my block. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The idea that this is like somehow the indicative of some, totally like this is this is indicative of some massive enthusiasm wave across America that will sweep Trump back into office. Like I'm not buying that, but I also do think that Iowa is used to having a say. That people do end up voting for people that they had personal conversations with because all of these candidates have spent months in grocery stores in Des Moines and stuff. So like I. I never expected Trump to win 70% or 80% or mm. something like that. But yeah, 50% of the Republican Party is saying, no, no, thank you. Somebody else, something else, something else. Before we move on, I have to say this is why the Democratic Party has shifted away from Iowa being the tip of the spear in the nominating contest because a small minority of a minority gave a huge boost to the lead presidential candidate in a state yeah. that is almost entirely white, does not represent the electorate, the electorate, the demographic mm-hmm. interests, the, the economic interests of the wider country. And they have this huge outsized power in selecting a president. And so I know that not everyone's thrilled with it, but it is at least interesting and progress to see that the DNC is making changes to try to balance the system a little bit more. Yes, I would agree. Iowa's a vibe check. And I will say I was on my morning walk and I was thinking, I I live in the city of New York, as do you. How awesome it would be if New York City caucused for mayor, city council. I I would live for it. It would be I think that's my nightmare. (laughs) I think that's my nightmare. Participatory government. Oh my god. Go do participatory budgeting if you want to get involved in city I, government. I do. I'm I do. sure and you do. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about Join that. the community board. I cannot go caucus in in my Chelsea middle school gym. I can't. I'm sorry. I can. I can have. A, I can talk to a wall and I can convince <laughs> that wall you're on my team. I mean, okay. don't get me wrong. If I win, I would win. If I'm right. coming, I'm okay. coming to play. But I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm busy, girl. Sorry. I'm not too busy for democracy, Brian. Oh, my God. Okay, speaking of people who are pretending to be too busy and budgets around (laughs) democracy, our federal government. Speaking of participatory budgeting, the federal government needs some help. They need a lot of help. A lot of help. We are on the precipice of, yet again, a government shutdown. LOL, what? So (laughs) lawmakers are scrambling. The deadline is this Friday, the 19th. And we need to fund government agencies before they shut down. So this is MAGA Mike, MAGA Mike Johnson, his second go around at this process of trying to keep the government open. And let's talk a little bit about what that looks like for MAGA Mike. Let's start out because I know this does get confusing for people. It feels like we are constantly talking about government funding. So how is this supposed to work? Last year, Kevin McCarthy, who was Speaker of the House and Democrats, ironed out an agreement and said, this is how we're going to fund the government. These are the new limits. And if we spend at these levels, then we can extend the debt ceiling to make sure that we have funds to pay our bills. Great. Republicans freaked out. And 
voted to oust McCarthy and then have basically been in a, stuck in a Groundhog Day doom loop ever since, where they come back to the table and realize, okay, we're going to have to negotiate with Democrats because they control the White House and the Senate. And then the far right says, no, we won't accept anything other than the exact thing that we want. That can't work because Democrats control the White House and the Senate. So they say no. Mm -hmm. And then they go back to them. Republicans get rid of their speaker. Republicans revolt. They vote down the bill. And then we start all over again. And just to clarify, it's not all Republicans. This is minority, right? Of alt-right Republicans who we we changed the rules for. And by we, I mean Kevin McCarthy changed the rules for so that he could get elected speaker. Lest we forget, Kevin McCarthy retired. He no longer goes to work on Capitol Hill anymore. So he set all of this up and then was like, bye bye now. Literally, good luck. Good luck. (laughs) So there's, there's, it's it's wild. So there's this small minority of Republicans who really hold the reins on the Republican Party because they have created these new rules by which the speaker has to operate and exist in. And so every time they can't actually figure out how to fund the government, they end up passing what's called a continuing resolution, which literally just means we're going to keep spending at the same levels that we're spending right now until a certain date. And they've moved those goalposts, I think, three times now, maybe four times. It's really not a good way to govern because you have all these agencies across the federal government who have no annual budget. They have no idea what their budget's going to be six months from now, whether it's going to be bigger, smaller, they can't sign contracts, they can't hire people. It really does affect how government works. And I know that it's easy for it all to be lost in the headlines and the shuffle and the boring language and and continuing resolution, stopgap bills, ceilings, all of that kind of stuff. But it really does matter. And the through line here is that Republicans have reached a point where they've elected exactly as you're saying, this far right group and continue to send more and more extreme individuals to the House where they are now unable to govern. We have had the least productive Congress that we've had in a hundred years by like, we, I think we've passed a fifth of the bills that we would have expected to pass by now in this Congress. And it is because these people would rather see absolutely nothing happen. They would rather see the whole system torn apart than to do something for the people who sent them there to govern. Totally. It's like, what reality are you operating in? Not the reality of everyday Americans, because if, if the government does shut down, it's not any of these people who are going to lose days or weeks of salary. It's federal government employees who will go without pay. And yes, there's ways to, you know, pass bills that give them back pay, et cetera. But this affects all government agencies. Totally. And it people should know that it takes a long time to pass these bills. It's not like everyone shows up, you raise your hand, we did it, and we go home. There are 14 appropriations bills, and they can take sometimes minimum days could take weeks in order to make them, to debate them, to read them, and to vote for them and to move them across the floor. So this week, I know that Schumer is sort of leading the charge. They have Mm. to pass this continuing resolution to avoid a shutdown by Friday. And so it looks like that's going to happen. They came to an agreement around the top line number this past weekend. They're figuring out how they can sort of what they end up doing is stuffing this bill into another bill that's already Mm. gone through some of these hoops. And passing it as quickly as possible. I think that that's great. Like, I'm glad there hopefully, hopefully is not going to be a government shutdown. But the bar is so low. The devil needs a basement. The bar is so low for what we're (laughs) expecting them to do for us. It's crazy. 
Right. And, you know, if you're losing sleep at night wondering if the government's going to shut down, this bill will keep it open through early March, I believe, March 8th or 9th. And then it all begins again. That's exactly right. And when Johnson became speaker, he invented this new concept called a laddered CR. And what that meant was instead of having one doomsday government shutdown deadline, we were going to have multiple. I think he originally wanted like six, but they finally agreed to two. And so the government actually shuts down in like a phases. In, in phases, exactly. And so they are passing this continuing resolution. We are going to continue funding the government beyond this first deadline, but they're still going to have this really dumb laddered CR approach, which Based on every single person I've talked to, everything that I've read did not exist before two months ago. Like it's just, he just made it up. It it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, if you don't like the rules of the game, you just make up new ones. Yeah. And that's exactly what the House Freedom Caucus, which is this group of far right extremists are trying to do. They tweeted Mm -hmm. after Johnson agreed to... Of this, this new bipartisan deal, the House GOP is planning to pass a short-term spending bill continuing Pelosi levels with Biden policies to buy time to pass longer-term spending bills at Pelosi levels with Biden policies. This is what surrender looks like. And it's crazy to me because it, it I think, highlights their mindset, which is that they don't know how government works. They don't know how, how split government works. You work with the other party who also is in power. Like, I'm sorry that you're not, you don't have a trifecta. You don't have a Republican in the White House. You don't have Republicans in the Senate. People didn't elect you to do that. They didn't pick you. And so you don't have the power, baby. Like, where where are we getting lost? Also, have we ever once seen a a bill or uh, rather a a budget from the House Freedom Caucus (laughs) or any sort of work? They just sound like babies with poopy diapies. All day, every day. And perhaps the most famous of them all, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she told MAGA Mike she would not support a CR, a continuing resolution. <clears throat> Red, excuse me. Yeah, it's um, easy to choke on Marjorie Taylor Greene's words. hard to get them out. Yeah, literally, she was coming for me. <laughs> Her energy was coming for me. In my meeting with him yesterday and, and many other members of Congress, I let Speaker Johnson know that in no way, shape, and form will I support any type of CR. We aren't, we aren't continuing Nancy's budget, Nancy Pelosi's budget, and that if he moves forward with a separate deal trading our border security, weakening H.R. 2 in exchange for $60 billion to Ukraine, I told him yesterday in his office that I would vacate the chair, that that is absolutely unacceptable. And we actually have the power of the purse. We're the ones that are in control, and we need to control the negotiations. Uh, I reiterated those same points this morning, so the ball is in his court. So she said the quiet <laughs> part out loud. We have control of the purse. No American taxpayer wants, like, 10 people to have control of the purse. Also, get a grip. I think there a couple of things were interesting there. I had not heard that she threatened to vacate the chair. The motion to vacate is how you oust your speaker. That's what happened to McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And so she's saying, if he tries to do this, I will use the power that I have in order to force a vote to oust Johnson the way that we did McCarthy. Man, overboard, round two. But I think the other interesting thing here is that she's like the least trustworthy person ever. And she explicitly states that she will or won't vote on things and then goes back on it all the time. Like all the time. She said like she wouldn't vote for McCarthy. She voted for McCarthy. We could go through, I think, a, a long list of examples of Marjorie Taylor Greene, especially popping off on Fox News and then voting the opposite way. 
giving. It's giving. It's giving. Well, I think that we've had enough participatory budgeting policy and primary politics for the week. Let's see what's giving. What is it giving? We have a clip we're going to talk about. Gutfeld. Gutfeld? Is it time for to protect our home with a giant dome? Well, over the weekend, Donald Trump slammed neocons and the corrupt establishment for wasting blood and treasure in foreign wars. So he floated the idea of a dome over America to protect us from our enemies. And you know those domes, they're starting to work. And you know those domes, they're starting to work. I didn't like it when Ronald Reagan suggested it because we didn't have the technology. We do have the technology now. And we're going to build a giant dome over our country to protect us from a hostile source. And I think it's a great thing. And it's going to all be made in the United States. And that's something that I consider productive. I can see it now from the creator of my pillow and my slippers, my dome. It's giving Amelia Bedelia. Truly. It's giving to me, like, Gutfeld is off, 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 off Broadway King Lear. Like, who speaks like that? Wait, it's giving... It's giving the face from the Fairly Odd Parents for sure. Gutfeld is, not Trump. <laughs> Nothing makes that who if I ever speak like that, cut me off. Does Trump think that Israel's Iron Dome is made out of iron? Real real question. Real question. Well, yeah, I think he thinks it's like a football stadium when it when it's bad weather or it rains and they can close the dome. He can't really believe that. No, surely not. <laughs> he was leader of the free world for four years. Is he proposing that we set up like an iron dome in the United States because we have so many missile attacks happening. Yes. I think that's exactly right. I'm like, I'm like genuinely deeply concerned and confused about what he is trying to even propose. I, I don't know because I assume as you know, I'm not a military expert by any means, but I'm sure that we have some sort of air air to whatever surface to air missile defense system. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> iMessages coming in hot. Always, always, that, especially on our group chat. What was popping off in your group chats this week? The Emmys. And I have to say the Emmys were much more political than any award show has been this award season cycle. RuPaul won and used it as an opportunity to talk about essentially book bans, drag brunches, etc., which I was happy about. Totally. It was great. Basically, RuPaul saying... Listen to a drag queen. Listen, if a drag queen wants to read you a story at a library, listen to her because knowledge is power. And if someone tries to restrict your access to power, they are trying to scare you. And if they're trying to cut you off from that power, then you know that it's time to stand up and do something about it. Yeah, because they want to make you powerless. Exactly. Who else? Um, what, what else? What else? Emmys. What was good? Jennifer Coolidge. She thanked the oh. evil gays. I want to thank all the evil gays. You know, I just really. If anyone has seen The White Lotus, you know that there are some evil gays involved in that plot. Here even. They're everywhere. Here, I'm actually amongst one right now. Ao has been sweeping for yeah. her category. Work. And she also, someone, she was doing a red carpet interview. And I knew I really liked her when, when she said this, but basically the interviewer was like, what would you say to younger Aya who had dreams of nights like this? I, she didn't dream of nights like this. She sort of dreamed of just like dental insurance. So 
I would say we've got dental, we got eye, we got ear. We can we can go to the dermatologist, get that yearly checkup, check your moles, people. Wear sunscreen even if you're black and check your moles. It's iconic. Basically, that's for on Medicare for all. Period. That should that should not be people's aspirations and dreams. Yeah, that um, was that was really epic. The only other viral clip that I saw was Niecy Nash had this yeah. epic moment where she's like, I just want to thank me. <laughs> And you know who I want to thank? I want to thank me. For believing in me and doing what they said I could not do. And I want to say to myself in front of all you beautiful people, go on, girl, with your bad self. And I was like, work. She also, you know, used it as a moment to, like, inspire black and brown women across the country. Yeah. And used it, she used it also as a moment to stand up for social justice. Finally, I accept this award on behalf of every black and brown woman who has gone unheard yet over-policed, like Glenda Cleveland, like Sandra Bland, like Breonna Taylor. As an artist, my job is to speak truth to power and baby, I'm going to do it to the day I die. Totally. Moving on from the Emmys, what else has been in the group chats? I have to say, mine were definitely popping off with Jay Christ. Don't take away my ally card. I have not watched it yet. No, it's allowed. I'll, I'll allow you. Your your GBF can take it away from you this week. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it alone. Lil Nas X, who I am a fan of, released a new video saying that it's his comeback. And he's going to come back like Jay Christ, like Jesus Christ. Oh. And there's a video associated with it. It's very controversial. Of course. Like it always is with him. Yeah. And people love to call other people snowflakes. And then if you say anything about Christianity, oh, like they are melting. They are melting. So they really mm-hmm. had a meltdown. There was like a, I think a quite a big backlash, not in my communities right but there certainly was like some some backlash it's pretty epic if you ask me and there was one photo that i was sending to everyone i knew yesterday <laughs> including me including you including put it up put, I, put up the photo truly, i thought it could not be real you just say what it was oh there was a photo i sent to everyone which was a photo of donald trump walking in to give pizzas to a bunch of like workers in iowa yesterday and the coloring, we know that he uses like an orange foundation. The coloring is off. I have, I kind of went on a rant yesterday on Instagram about how I think for the first time in Donald Trump's political career, he is presenting as elderly yeah. in a way that Joe Biden also presents as elderly. He has now. Yep. But people, the vibe of Joe Biden is much older than the vibe of Donald Trump, even though there's only three years separating their age. However, the until, last, you know, until, until yesterday now. in Iowa, until he got, he walked into the Iowa hotel on Sunday night and he looked like a hot mess, which is fine. I was girl, like, what orange you look, girl. No, and then the next day, I, his, his Mua came, did his hair and makeup, and he was orange. Orange. It was wild. Surely I thought it was photoshopped or like some crazy liberal took it in, like, you know, painted. Nope. I went and I fact checked. This is the kind of fact checking I do. I checked the original Getty image or, you know, the original image with LA Times and like the Iowa, whoever put it out. No, that was the color he was. So something, this is, you know, my, it's my petty, but my hard hitting journalism. (laughs) Trump looks older. No, it's very real. 
I've never been one to call him the orange monster, the Cheeto 45, like whatever. That's never been my thing. He's always been Trump. Like let for me, it's like, let's, let's just call spade a spade. But that actually did feel newsworthy for the exact reason that you just identified, which is that it does have electoral implications when he shows up looking mm-hmm. like oh. that rotted. Yes. I did have a good laugh at Ron DeSantis gag that they pulled. Real quick, before we get started, thank you, everyone. Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation trophy. (laughs) Now, probably not going to win the election, right? But we're proud of you for trying. There you go. Sorry, buddy. It's so good and it's so it's, cringe but he like, has no personality no, 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 that's no, no. the issue like Dude, how do you make not a joke. Have a, make a joke be like thanks yeah, 100%. This is tough. i i think that you have to have a sense of humor about these things like you know the data better than anybody else how unlikely it is that that he was to win he, he already knew that going in and so dude just like be not a robot for five seconds and he can't do it he can't do it he can't do it he does not have it in him Yeah, that's the group chat, but we cannot possibly leave you with a Ron DeSantis flavor in your mouth. So what do we say? We send him off with a good vibe. Goodbye. All right, Brian, this is a really good vibe for our goodbye because it has tremendous impact across millions of Americans and their families. Congress announced a major tax deal that will expand the child tax credit. Boom. That's huge. Boom. That's a big deal. 15 million kids from low-income families will be better off as a result of this plan. This is all coming from Senator Ron Wyden, who is the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. And given today's miserable political climate, that's right, Ron, it's a big deal to have this opportunity to pass pro-family policy that helps so many kids get ahead. Bottom line. A hundred percent. When Biden expanded the child tax credit and made it refundable, we cut child poverty in this country in half in a year. And- Republicans did fight it and let it expire, but to bring back even a portion of the expanded child tax credit, I think is a huge victory and is going to go a huge way to helping literally the neediest kids in the country. So Mm -hmm. huge win, good vibe for the week. And that's all the vibes for this week. Thanks for listening. If this show is your vibe, please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. If you have questions or comments or want to participate in our group chat, send us a note or record us a message and send it to vibes at couriernewsroom.com. And since democracy hinges on vibes only, we're going to be here each week to keep checking them. So tune back in, same time, same place. Vibes Only is a production of Courier, a civic media company that protects and strengthens our democracy through credible, fact-based journalism and seeks to create a more informed, engaged, and representative America. Vibes Only is produced by Devin Maroney with support from Courier's Kyle Tharp, R.C. DeMezzo, and Daniel Strasberger. Tara McGowan is founder and publisher of Courier. Courier.